the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, we are um, standing by. I want to cover, uh, carry this. I'm sure they'll have a translator, but President uh, Putin is speaking as uh, very soon. As U.S. Warren's invasion could be hours away. So it's right now, it's 9 o'clock in Moscow. And so I'd like to um, uh, carry that. We will carry that. And I'm anxious, uh, all of us are actually, to hear exactly what's what's going to be said. But he's going to be uh, speaking very, very shortly. And... Um, uh, who, who knows exactly what, what, what's going to be said, but this is, as you can imagine, it's a developing situation and with a lot on the line. Um, looking at some headlines, tension, tensions mount as Biden and Putin agree in principle to a summit. You know, I, I'm not just sure how, um, let's see, Putin just spoke by phone, told them he's going to recognize the republics. Um... Uh, let's see, claim Kremlin, short sign a decree of the recognition in eastern Ukraine. Um, we will bring you that information when it, uh, that's being widely reported right now, widely reported as we speak. Um, let's see, I'm looking at an illuminating exchange. First, Russia's intel chief seems to hem and haw to try to weakly dodge the exact answer Putin wants. So Putin berates him. Then the intel chief accidentally says the quiet part out loud. So Putin berates him again. (laughs) Folks, it is like something out of a movie. One false move. And um, and, and, and who knows? um, Putin to recognize Ukraine rebel territories as independent. That doesn't sound like a... That does not sound like a positive development. That does not sound like a positive development. So I want to bring you up to speed, though, on the latest, because I think it it's obviously important. Right now, it's 108 on this Monday. It is uh, nice out as the world order. Putin prepares decision on breakaway Ukraine regions. You know, the, the amount of power they have overseas regarding energy is... Um, is very serious. Let's see. President Putin set to address the nation late today. So it's nine o'clock Moscow time. U.S. officials worry Russia could use such a recognition to move forces in. Um, President Putin kept an anxious world guessing whether he plans to invade Ukraine. He would decide by the end of the day whether recognize the independence of two breakaway regions of Ukraine. With Russian state media issuing a drumbeat of unsubstantiated reports about aggression by Ukraine, which U.S. officials have warned Moscow would use as a pretext for a military intervention, Putin used a televised meeting of his Security Council to declare that a peace agreement for the Russian-backed separatist territories was in effect dead. His subordinates, all whom favored recognition, Use the meeting to blame the United States for the escalation in tensions. Still, Russia's foreign minister said he's willing to meet his American counterpart for talks this week in Geneva. America's goal is in its foreign policy, including in Ukraine, is the collapse of the Russian Federation. So uh, the United States and its allies have worried that if Moscow recognizes the two enclaves, in the region known as the Donbass, it could open the door for Russia to move forces into Ukraine. U.S. officials estimate Russia has amassed 190,000 troops in and around Ukraine, including in the Donbass, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, where a long-running trench war between Ukrainian forces and the Russian-backed rebels has reignited in recent days. Underscoring the possibility he may recognize the so-called Donbass People's Republic and the other one, Luhas People's Republic, as independent states, Putin chided his foreign intelligence chief when he appeared to be equivocating on the issue, prompting to stutter and then say he was in favor of annexing the territories. (laughs) That's exactly it is. 
Yes, Putin is about to uh, give a speech, and I'd like to carry that. That is exactly right. Um, and I'm sure they'll have a translator, folks. But, you know, this is, um, this is getting going from bad to worse here. The announcement is open to considering a possible recognition of the two areas came after the United States said. Now, here's the important part. We said the U.S., such a move would be a violation of a peace settlement with self-declared territories. Putin, speaking at the beginning of a meeting of a security council, said it's clear to all that this range of measures is not going to be implemented in, in any way, referring to the peace settlement. But he said Russia's been, we're trying to resolve all the complexities, but it's the Americans that are fueling, fueling this. Listen, I want to be very clear. There's not going to be a summit. Of course there's not going to be a summit. All right, Eli Sherman has uh, breaking news here. The McKee administration is paying $1.8 million to ILO Group for six months of work last year, closing the books on a controversial contract that spurred legislative oversight hearings and ongoing investigation by the Rhode Island Attorney General Office. So now that will play itself out, I think, more in the campaign. Uh, again, I want to give credit to Channel 12 that um, WPRI that has done a, a great job with um, a, a fantastic um, job with the reporting on, on that whole issue. So, uh, but this, who knows how when he's going to be. Um, we will um, have to, let's see. <laughs> We're going to have to wait and see exactly when he's going to speak. But I think, folks, at one thirteen. Now, again, I recognize a lot of people are saying, you know, Juan, what are you talking about? What is all this? What do we care about? Ukraine and so forth. Well, listen, the largest buildup since World War II, I would argue, is newsworthy. <laughs> um. This is such a difficult situation. At any moment, Russia announcement on Ukraine. You know, I'm anxious also to see. I had one of our listeners that said, told me, don't be an idiot. It's not like Putin's going to announce he's invading. Well, I don't know if you need to. If you're standing outside with 190,000 troops, uh, the, the sneak attack seems to be off the table. I think what is on the table is just how you're going to attack but um you know listen there's few pearl harbors right and the element of oh come on i forget who sent that to me don't be an idiot he's not no no one would announce when they're going to invade well what do you call 90,000 190,000 troops uh surrounding ukraine on its borders it, uh, I, no one said it was going to be another Normandy. I think, um, okay, here it is, folks. This is, uh, I believe, I think, unless this is still a lead up to it. Okay, he's not speaking just yet. Um, he's going to be speaking very shortly. I want to carry that. At one fourteen on this Monday, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Again, you can always... Um, Listen online at the website, which is depetro.com. We also have some great uh, original stories and video. Um, but this, okay, uh, let me see some latest headlines here. Ukraine calls for UN meeting as Russian forces mass on borders. So there are people that are saying, oh, don't be ridiculous. He's not going to invade. They don't just announce that way. I. Again, you had Pearl Harbor. Um, we've seen situations, you know, Hitler would amass troops on the border. And then look at this. People are still wondering, is he going to go in? Is he just going to sit there on the border? It's still a buildup. There's still an element of how far they're going to go in, what troops they're going to send in. So I don't know in this day and age with technology, with uh, satellite. With drones, with our own intelligence, I'm, I, I, I'm not clear that you can suddenly just do a massive surprise attack, um, and then it would just be a matter of 
whether or not and when they start moving in. Ukraine asked the UN for an urgent meeting to tackle the threat of invasion. As President Putin said, he's weighing whether to recognize the two Russian-led breakaway regions in Ukraine. Um, that doesn't sound positive. <laughs> ah, my goodness. I also want to just, um, folks, right now at 116, and again, I recognize we're operating in real time. Um, but this, you, you know, I, I know people are going to take up different topics. I, I'd say the largest land invasion since, um, I would say the largest land invasion since World War II. I'd say it's something to be concerned about. Uh, let's see. Yes. A black bear known as Hank the Tank has broken into more than 200, two dozen California homes since July. Paintballs, beanbags, sirens, and tasers can't keep the 500-pound animal from seeking leftover pizza and other food. Well, what's also interesting is Putin describes Russia as the bear. Uh, Putin describes Russia as the bear. Um, Putin's move to recognize the independence of Ukraine's breakaway regions is direct defiance of repeated U.S. statements warning him against doing this. Saying it is a blatant contradiction of Russia's commitments. So, you know, this is, there's a slow buildup to it. There's a slow buildup to this. Um, I also want to, there was a good story that I saw Again, he's supposed to be speaking very soon. Russian terminated tanks within two miles of the Ukrainian border. That doesn't sound positive. Uh, let's see. I, I retweeted. I remember he stole Kraft's Super Bowl ring. Uh, that, death, that death list is uh, very, very concerning. The president of Finland also. I'm seeing that a lot of people are picking up on his comments. Here it is. Putin wielding the threat of war against Ukraine steps forward on the world stage. Putin says once they've taken out his claws and his fangs, then the bear is no longer necessary. He becomes a stuffed animal. Meaning he regards Russia as that bear, <laughs> which is very, very frightening. So, so he's already moving ahead with the threat of this. Um, I just want to read. He's the man with the very long table who seats world leaders and ministers at an almost comical distance. He's a lone figure in a dark coat laying a wreath at a cemetery in St. Petersburg or sitting solo in his Olympic viewing booth in Beijing. He is aging, isolated, more powerful than ever, and on the brink of waging a possible catastrophic war. Russian President Putin, in 22 years since he first took office, think of that, he took office in 2000, has evolved from an afterthought of Washington leaders to the world's most watched, pleaded with man, using reconstituted Russian military might to force the globe to reckon with his interests after having complained for years about being ignored. His latest belligerence following two years of pandemic isolation, eight years of Western sanctions. The analysts say have fed the bunker mentality Putin has exhibited since its earliest years. At 69, now a grandfather. He has hours alone to consider his legacy. Russia's longest serving leader since Joseph Stalin and ponder one of his most striking and durable failures, the escape of Kiev for centuries, the center of East Slavic statehood in the hands of the West. Still upset. He's still upset that, in fact, that the Americans took it over. Um, or at least they're gravitating towards the West, I should say. Putin's growing hunger for risk comes as the U.S. marred in political dysfunction and humbled by the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan sees its relative global power decline as Washington governance has faltered. 
Putin has reformed the Russian military into capable force, eradicated political opposition at home, extended control over domestic internet media, amended the Russian constitution to retain power, and hardened Moscow's finances against external pressure. With the staying power of an autocrat, he has steadily built a foundation to take greater risks abroad and the confidence to confront Washington even more vigorously. In many ways, Putin believes his time has come at last. If you're sitting in the Kremlin, things haven't been better from the standpoint of trying to push your interests against the West. And Tom Graham, Senior Director for Russia on the White House National Security Council, he was under President George W. Bush. The trajectory of developments would tell Putin he's on the rise and the United States is on the decline. That shift comes as Putin views himself increasingly. Listen to this, folks. In historical terms, Putin has gotten himself so wrapped up with the Russian state, he can't extract himself from the idea that he is the state. He is already living history. Uh, To lose Ukraine would be to suffer... A severe humiliation in Putin's eyes, describing Putin thinking as he's not going to let Ukraine get away, not in his watch. Putin's long journey from inheriting a country reeling from the Soviet Union's collapse to threatening the West with a full-scale war in Ukraine is the story of a leader who for years felt slighted and demeaned by a succession of U.S. presidents preoccupied with other issues only to build up the power to strike back. But from his earliest days as leader, the former KGB officer exhibited a bellicose streak. He led a brutal war against Chechnya separatists upon taking office, famously vowing to waste them in their outhouses and exhibited a paranoia from his early days about foreign enemies trying to destroy Russia. To a man who brawled on the streets of Leningrad in his youth and made his career in the Soviet security services, Russian weakness after the Soviet collapse had become revolting. What do you think he thought of uh, Vice President Harris standing there in the mask? His anger over his nation's humiliating uh, frailness came through in the speech to the nation he gave in 2004 after terrorist attack on school in the Russian city of Belzland. Putin lamented how Russia had failed to protect itself after the Soviet Union's downfall, giving its enemies the chance to tear the country apart. He said, we demonstrated weakness and the weak are beaten, Putin said, vowing to make Russia stronger. He immediately took steps to consolidate his power. He loathed how the United States threw around its weight unchecked. In the color revolutions that brought Western leading governments to the power in Georgia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan, Putin saw unabashed U.S. encroachment on his sphere of influence. In NATO's expansion of the Baltic and four of the Eastern European states in 2004, he saw Washington take advantage of the hobbled Russian military. In the U.S. invasion of, of Iraq and Afghanistan, he saw the unbridled hubris of a reckless nation intoxicated with uncontested power, meaning that's how he viewed the United States. The way the U.S. treated him only fed his anger and suspicion. How about this? When Bush needed to refuel Air Force One on a trip in late 2006 to Southeast Asia, he stopped in Moscow, but did not go to the Kremlin, forcing the Russian president to come to the airport and meet in the terminal. President Barack Obama famously dismissed Russia as a regional power, (laughs) adding to the American slights Putin would register from the White House. This is the wrong guy. Talk about carrying a grudge with an elephant, with a memory like an elephant, balancing world power months after the airport meeting with Bush. Putin made clear to end U.S. dominance at the 2007 Munich Security Conference 15 years ago this month. Excoriated Washington, telling a crowd, including Robert Gates, then the Secretary of Defense, the United States has overstepped its borders in every way and exhibited an almost unconstrained hyper use of force. That's what he was saying about the U.S. 
in that speech, he chided NATO for putting, quote, its frontline forces on our borders. Sailed U.S. plans for missile defense installation in Europe called for a new architecture of global security. Folks, do you see what I'm getting at? This is someone, this has been building. He has been stewing over this for years and now feels it's get even time and he's got his moment. That speech was a roadmap for Putin. He demonstrated how he behaved and he was honest. What do they say? When someone tells you who they are, listen to them. But Putin lacked the power to force his vision. Following year, NATO met. Bucharest declared it was a question of when, not if, Ukraine and Georgia would join the military alliance. Uh, military alliance. An enraged Russia invaded Georgia four months later. And once again demanded a new European security architect. But the Russian military's disastrous performance in that war underscored Moscow remained ill-positioned to reorder world affairs. Perhaps no episode fed his fears of U.S. influence more than the 2011 mass protest in Moscow. The outpouring of anger in the streets, which followed a Russian parliamentary election widely seen as rigged, represented the largest ever threat to his power at home. In the demands for democracy and justice, Putin saw Washington's tentacles coming to strangle him. He denounced the protesters as State Department-backed pawns taking cues from Hillary Clinton. And after four years as prime minister, he returned to the presidency a changed man. Clamped down on domestic dissent, cast himself as a global standard bearer for those opposed to liberal Western values. Um, His intervention in Syria showed his willingness to use force to counter U.S. power, helped him build a military he's now relying on to threaten Ukraine. Interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential campaign demonstrated a new level of risk-taking in Putin's quest to hit back at Washington along with a growing confidence in his ability to get away with it. And then unfinished business. When a pro-European uprising in Ukraine pushed out the Kremlin-leaning government in 2014, Putin lashed out using military tactics to combat what he viewed as a U.S. attempt to weaponize a brother nation against him. Discounting agencies for Ukrainians, he blamed the crisis again on... U.S. power run amok, saying the Americans influencing Kiev, Kiev were acting like they're in a lab, running all sorts of experiments on the rats without understanding the consequences of what they're doing. <laughs> How much hatred does he have for America? His annexation of Crimea. Brought a surge in popularity at home. And in a triumphant speech afterwards, Putin warned the United States had crossed Russian red lines in Ukraine, forcing him to snap back hard. Later that year, he confessed to wishing sometimes the Russian beer. Listen to this, folks. Again, it's 129. Good afternoon. On this Monday, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. The world is waiting for an address from Russian President Putin. But listen to this. He sometimes confessed wishing the Russian beer could sit quietly and eat berries and honey, but said the West would never leave the beer in peace unless it was subdued or made irrelevant. Because they'll always try to put them on a chain. And as soon as they succeed in doing so, they'll tear out his fangs and claws, Putin said. What a madman. Once they've taken out his claws and fangs, then the bear is no longer necessary. He'll become a stuffed animal. (laughs) Brian Taylor, a professor at Syracuse who studies Putin, said the Russian leader always thinks about Russia as a besieged fortress. If he's doing something with respect to Ukraine, it's not because he's, he's an aggressor, but because he's cornered into lashing out to protect Russia's interests. Because if he doesn't, no one else is going to do it. Despite his perceived 
triumph with Crimea. The separatist proxy war Russia fueled. Donetsk and Luxembourg regions failed to achieve the Kremlin's goals. Russia pushed for the conflict to an end with an autonomous region loyal to Moscow, inserted into the Ukrainian state as a spoiler. Instead, the war simmered unresolved and a peace deal um, went unimplemented. Ukraine continued to drift westward. NATO militaries expanded their cooperation with Ukrainian forces and held exercises near Russia. As the war in the east dragged on, support within Ukraine for joining the alliance skyrocketed. Even Trump's disdain for both Ukraine and NATO in an impeachment scandal centering on demands he made failed to scupper the growing partnership. Putin had come to see Ukraine, one of the largest recipients of U.S. military assistance, as a Western aircraft carrier parked just across from southern Russia. <laughs> his need to reverse Ukraine's trajectory, they said, had become his legacy most important piece of unfinished business. And this is important. Folks, at 132, we hear a lot about mental health in the pandemic. Well, the pandemic left Putin isolated and surrounded by a group of hardliners who, like him, Failed to comprehend the genuine rise in pro-Western sentiment in Ukraine. In Putin's eyes, Ukrainians are like hostages to foreign interests suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Who don't realize their true interest lies with Russia, but they're believing American lies. I mean, he is a madman. And he's a dangerous madman. It's a very dangerous situation. He's closing in on himself. So he has no choice but to opt for the most radical scenario. His pandemic isolation was punctuated last July by the release of a sweeping historical treaty in which he said, sovereign for for Ukraine is possible only in partnership with Russia. And described the country as a vassal state being used by Western nations to attack Moscow. Can you spell paranoid? We will never allow our historical territories and people close to us living there to be used against Russia, he said. And to those who will undertake such an attempt, I would like to say that this way they will destroy their own country. So the threat of war today comes as what Russia's witness a level of domestic repression unprecedented in its post-Soviet era. After jailing opposition, opposition figure Alexei Nalov, who was poisoned, Russian authorities set about prosecuting his adherents and running them out of the country. Journalists critical of the Kremlin have faced state pressure from prosecutions in the foreign agent's law. Government has also pressured the Committee of Soldiers, Mothers of Russia, and shut down the Human Rights Group Memorial attacking two groups that documented human rights abuses by the Russian military. People say he wouldn't dare. He's not going to cross this line of a large-scale war in Europe, said Michael Kaufman, Russian military analyst at Research Group, CNA. I'd love to agree, but in the last three years, I've seen him cross a lot of lines. I thought he wouldn't. Folks, the bottom line, this is very, very serious, what is uh, happening right now at 134. What you are seeing is Russian aggression. Russian aggression that continues. He is ramping things up. Um, let me also just check the latest now. Um, let's see. Uh, Blinken promises a swift, firm response if Russia recognizes the breakaway regions. Well, All right, he's going to recognize them. So now what? Now what? I mean, this is basically he's he's doing these things and then nothing is happening. I mean, I don't want to say Neville Chamberlain, but it certainly start to seem a lot like Neville Chamberlain. Um, So now they've told him again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here. Um. Let's see. I, I don't believe this summit's not going to take place. 
Biden and Putin agree in principle to hold summit on Ukraine crisis. I, I just I don't think it's going to happen, folks. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, he's expressed disappointment. Uh, none of this is good, to put it mildly. All right, folks, this portion of the John DePietro show at one thirty-six on this Monday. Now, listen, a lot of people are still exploring, perhaps, maybe you're thinking of moving, or maybe you'd like to downsize. Maybe if that's the case, I'll tell you who you want to contact is my friend, Pat Elston, Caldwell Banker Realty. Pat is based in Cumberland, 20 years experience. You can call her at 401-474-5253. There's a link on the website, and it is, in fact, uh, Pad Elston, Caldwell Banker Realty. There's a link at depetro.com. She services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Pat is just terrific. She's so knowledgeable. You're dealing with a pro and licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's Pat Elston. So, folks, it sounds like um, all right. Putin speaks as U.S. warns invasion could be hours away. We're still waiting on this. Still waiting on him. Um, I'd like to carry it if we could. Um. Okay, hold on. I'm getting some other. We want to interrupt you. Uh, oh, there's a fire. Okay, all right. We're going to uh, send it. Jeff Gamach has some uh, breaking news on a fire that's taking place. Let's uh, let's send it right back to uh, Jeff Gamach at the studio. Well, we have Raj Bouchard on our live line right now, who is checking in live from an active fire in the city of Woonsocket. Roger Bouchard, what is happening this afternoon? Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, we. What's that, sir? Bellingham, Bellingham North Smithfield, Woonsocket, Pawtucket, East Providence. Okay, just getting a word from a neighbor. Uh, so what we have here, uh, Jeff, uh, is a uh, two-family house fire, uh, not quite at the intersection of Crawford Street and um, and also Grove Street. I'm actually up on. Um, Unity Street overlooking the fire. Uh, the fire started about an hour ago, and um, all the residents have escaped. But uh, the resident who, um, and, and this from his house here, I can see right down to the actual house that's on fire. I can see the smoke still coming. I can see the firefighters still um, putting the uh, water on the fire. It's kind of stubborn, according to uh, the neighbor. But he thinks that there might have been some dogs, however, that uh, are still in the building and may not have done as well as the people who did evacuate. So no injuries to report on this two-family house fire in the uh, 300 block on Grove Street, uh, almost at the corner of uh, Crawford Street and Grove Street, a very congested uh, neighborhood, a lot of uh, houses close together. You can see as I'm, I'm looking at the, um, the fire from here, uh, from Unity Street, I can see um, just a driveway separates uh, houses on each side, so there's not a lot of lot of room. So um, uh, the water keeps uh, pouring on, and they seem to be hitting um, what I would call the attic of the house right now. But there's still plenty of smoke uh, coming out, so this fire is uh, probably under control but on the other hand still uh, still not out and as, like i said uh, the neighbors as we began the broadcast listed up a whole bunch of fire departments that are assisting uh, one socket uh in this uh, fire so uh, so just a summary um the location uh here uh off of park avenue grove street crawford street crosses uh grove street two houses um uh, away from the intersection is a two-family house uh, burning right now, and um, we see that, uh, according to neighbors, a uh, very helpful na- neighbor here, uh, that um, he was watching everybody get out uh, in terms of the occupants. Maybe some dogs uh, still uh, in the in the house, and uh, it's getting a little bit smokier as uh, we continue to uh, to look at it. As a matter of fact, this neighbor here. Um, uh, he's letting people um, come down their driveway. He has a fence overlooking uh, the uh, the fire site. So um, that's about uh, what we have from here. 
a lot of excitement. Now, if you go on Park Avenue right now, you'd never know there was uh, any activity because Park Avenue is wide open. Uh, Logie Street um, is wide open. Uh, so that um, it is what we'd call definitely a neighborhood fire. I would say I can't even see the house right now. There's so much smoke uh, that is still coming uh, from the house. So if I said it was under control, what do I know? I, I'm, I'm not uh, a uh, beat reporter, but uh, right now I can't see a thing. Right. I cannot see the house that I saw so clearly when I arrived here at the scene. Well, thank you All for right. that uh, fire report, Roger. We appreciate you being uh, on I the don't scene. I don't know what house it is. Uh, one of the, somebody uh, saying to me uh, that who might be uh, owning the property, but uh, don't have any idea. So, uh, Jeff, I'm going to hand it back to you. Uh, and um, we uh, we know that there's a, a big one going on right now, and uh, it'll be a while before this thing is under control. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Roger. An active house fire a long way from being over with. Grove Street off of Park Avenue. So you may experience some uh, traffic congestion as the commuters head to 146 this afternoon. Now back to the John DePietro Show. Alright folks, good afternoon. Thank you for that uh, uh, latest uh, information on that fire. As you just heard, very serious uh, situation. So I don't know, we are um, at 142 folks. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Putin told France, Germany, um, he plans to recognize the separatist region in Ukraine as independent states. That is not a good development for people that are uh, looking to where this showdown is, is going to go. Um, and, and again, right now, the world is really standing by as Putin is expected to... Um, Putin is expected to uh, address the world and certainly speak from Moscow. Um, I'm seeing some late-breaking information. Richard Engel, Biden administration have discussed plans with the Ukrainian government for Zelensky to leave in the event of a Russian invasion. Oh, boy. That doesn't sound good. No, that does not sound good. Well, you know, what... um, um, I don't... uh, He's going to leave. Oh, boy. Uh, he's going to... That, that that reminds me of the story, folks, says there's some, some turbulence on the plane. And in some turbulence on the plane, the pilot suddenly starts walking down the aisle with a parachute. And says to the passengers, everything's fine. You stay here. I'm going to go for help. Um, the leader of Ukraine leaving there does not sound like a very good situation. I want to play um, Anthony Blinken's poem a short time ago on CNN. I want to play this. One specific potential. Russian-backed forces currently occupy part, but not all, of the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine. Would seizing or recognizing the entire Donbass region qualify as an invasion and result in the crippling sanctions that you're threatening? If a single additional Russian force goes into Ukraine uh, in an aggressive way, uh, as I said, that would trigger uh, a swift, a severe, and a united response uh, from us uh, and from Europe. Uh, And again, there are other things that Russia could do. Oh, uh, that falls short right. of actually well, sending uh, additional forces have into them. Ukraine. Uh, and again, go. across the board. Can we, uh, uh, we're prepared with Europe. All right. uh, Excuse me, Mr. Swift. Secretary. I want to pull this up. I believe we have uh, Putin and we have the translator. So um, let me uh, pull it up, folks, quickly. Again, good afternoon at 145. Let's join. This is uh, uh, President Putin is speaking right now. Uh, upon the uh, demise of uh, Lenin, after the late 20s. And here we have a very important issue. Why did we have to meet any national ambitions, you know, on the suburbs of the former Russian Empire? Why did we, um, why did we have some 
great rights to these uh, various territories. Why did we have to transfer the rights to the territories that have been historically part of the Russian Empire? And they've received even status of the national territorial units. Why? Why? Again, I'm asking you, why did we have to be so generous? Even some ardent nationalists would not even dream of this. And then even give those republics the right to leave this union without any terms and conditions. This is just madness. This is but a this just seems so. There is an explanation to this. But this is Putin. After the revolution, the main objective of Bolsheviks was to stay in power at any cost. At any cost, I reiterate. That is why they were ready for anything, even the humiliating breast piece with the Kaiser and their allies, they were in a very difficult situation, even meeting any requirements, any demands from the nationalists within the country. In the context of the uh, Russian uh, destiny, uh, we have to say that Lenin's principles were were not just an error, they were worse than an error. After the breakup of Soviet Union in 91, this was absolutely obvious. Surely, the events of the past are not possible to be changed. However, it is important that we speak of them honestly and directly without being, uh, without try, be, trying to be politically correct here. Directly, I would like to say that no matter how winning uh, various claims and statements may be at the poem at the moment, they should not create the principles of, of any nation. We have to understand that when we talk about the civil war and back then, the situation in the country was very difficult. But now I would like to remind you that this is how this happened. It is a, his, it is a historical fact. And as a result of the Bolshevik policy, Ukraine was created. The, the Soviet Ukraine was created. And, that's, and we call it Ukraine named after Lenin. Lenin was its author and architect. And this is truly can be confirmed by the archival documents, even with, even uh, by the rigid um, Lenin's directives with regard to Donbass. And now so-called grateful years, they've taken down Lenin's monuments. Yeah, they call it decommunization. So, would you like to have decommunization? Okay, we are very happy with that then. But don't stop halfway through, you know. So we are ready to show you what true decommunization means for Ukraine. So going back to the uh, historical background of the matter. So in 1922, on the space of the uh, former Russian Empire, Soviet Union was created. And it was clear it was impossible to keep such a great territory just on, on the conditions of confederations because they were really torn apart from the historical tradition. Obviously the Red Terror and the Stalin uh, dictatorship and monopoly of the Communist Party and nationalization um, of the uh, nationalization of the economy, that really didn't work for Soviet Union. No sovereign uh, rights uh, those republics did not have. Truly, they did not have it. In practice, there was a very centralized unitarian uh, state. Stalin, in reality, implemented, not Lenin's, but his own ideas of the country, uh, state creation. And, however, he has not brought any changes into the Constitution. Uh, Lenin's uh, princip 
principles of building Soviet Union were never revisited or reviewed. And it seemed like there was no need in that because of the totalitarian regime. Everything kept working just well and on the surface seemed to be very good. It's a shame. It is shame that from the basic legal uh, foundations on which all of our oh state was built, we were not able to take apart uh, fantasies that are uh, destroying for any country and any no one thought about the future back then well uh, leaders of the communist party were sure at least it seems so that they managed to create what they needed that they were able that they resolved the nationalistic issue however Falsification and lie cost a lot. The nationalistic virus and uh, and the long-acting bomb seem to be just waiting for its time. And that bomb was the attempt to leave Soviet Union. So in mid-80s, uh, on the background of very social and economic problems, the nationalistic issues became very urgent because first of all they started talking about we were not talking about the uh, needs of the population but the leaders were talking about their greedy interest and this uh, gradual transformation uh, of the uh, state uh, building eventually uh, went back to Lenin's um, ideas of uh, the national rights and, and within the communist uh, party every fighting uh, side within the party started to promote nationalistic ideas and started promising their supporters whatever they asked. It was a very populistic uh, blather about the democratic future but whereas in reality there was deficit and there was poverty nobody was thinking about some tragic consequences for the country and then we're listening to russian president vladimir all right folks again good afternoon you're listening to the john DePietro show this is um it just seems to be a lot of grievances it seems to be a lot of grievances um that he just starts to go through. But just to bring you kind of like where this is going, this is a, a major, I noticed that uh, Congressman Jim Langevin was just on um, MSNBC and Congressman Langevin was saying with what he's doing, and by the way, I, I recognize that right now you are uh, listening on the radio. Again, it's the John DePietro show, but if you could see the, the setup that that Putin has, um, where he has like uh, he has like ten telephones next to his desk, and um, in in all the world of a you know all the trappings of of a world leader, I just don't remember the last time we've seen anyone like that with all the separate phone lines and so forth. But here's um just a short time ago, this is Congressman Jim Landrin on MSNBC. If President Putin is uh, recognizing these breakaway regions in Ukraine, how should the U.S. react to this? And what does that intersect with what you learned in your time in Munich? Well, good afternoon, Gary. It's uh, great to be with you. Uh, obviously, the, what you just described, uh, if uh, Putin does make that, uh, that recognition, uh, it's a serious uh, escalation in the situation. Remember, those regions were taken by force. And what we're seeing here now is uh, a further potential uh, of, of Vladimir Putin uh, using his military to, again, uh, take more of Ukraine uh, by force. So it is a, it's a very troubling uh, situation. All of our NATO allies, uh, along with the United States, are, are very focused uh, on this issue. And I give high marks to President Biden and his team yeah. for everything they're doing uh, to pursue a, a diplomatic uh, 
uh, outcome that would be favorable, uh, but in giving Putin every opportunity for an off-ramp possible. But uh, clearly the mood among the, uh, the members that the, they went to the Munich Security Conference are that if, if Vladimir Putin uh, does take military action, that there needs to be harsh and severe consequences uh, to punish him. Well, he's, he's taking, that is um, Congressman Jim Langevin. And again, folks, good afternoon at, at 1.55. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Well, he's, he's doing that. And so now it's a little bit of, okay, now it's, it's the move. What, what, are, what is the United States? What is NATO going to do about it? Um, they don't seem to know what to do about it. This business of somehow a, a summit, that does not seem like that's happening. This portion of the program, folks, is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in great food, full bar, large dining area, plus they have the big new outside deck at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. So I want to go back to um, Putin. He just His speech just goes on to a litany of grievances is the way it's described. But none of this, um, as I've been saying, folks, none of this seems good. And he, the, the way he winds up, I, I recognize, you know, who knows how long these troops are going to be there. I recognize a lot of people think the quick split second uh, invasion, incursion, that, that doesn't seem to be the case in this situation where he's going to move at only his pace. And something else is very notable here. Putin speaks as Kremlin reports he'll recognize separatist regions of Ukraine as independent states. Folks, when this hits, all of cable news goes into boom, uh, full coverage of it. And I recognize that there are some people that think that this is all by design, almost to help President Biden. I can assure you, it certainly, I don't see the evidence of that. Uh, I see a lot of evidence that this is someone who has 190,000 troops on the borders of Ukraine that seemingly is ready to execute um, the largest land invasion since World War II. And what's also difficult, I think, about this is the propaganda and disinformation. Now, keep in mind, at 158 on this Monday, you know, propaganda is nothing new. You go back to, remember reports of Tokyo Rose and and, uh, anyone that's ever seen or studied elements of war, they play the sound of, you know, why don't you, they would play it to the GIs, your family misses you. Your girlfriends and wives miss you, your parents. Why don't you lay down your gun and go home and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's, this is another level of propaganda led by confusion. And it would certainly seem that the Biden administration in NATO are caught flat-footed and not exactly sure how to... Um, to approach this. Now, it's one fifty nine. Now, coming up in the 2 o'clock news, you get an update on this, and then also they do have information on there was a very serious fire uh, just a short time ago. So it does, I think it seems to be, I was seeing on social media, it seems to be under control, but, um, but we'll have an update on that. And folks, again, the, the uh, ongoing situation, when you talk about winds of war, and these troops, they're not, where are they going? They're going nowhere. They're just sitting there. And he is painfully taking steps um, to, uh, of, of keeping everyone guessing on exactly what his intentions are. It's John DePietro. Uh, enjoy this Monday. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. WNRI, Winsocket. WNRI.